senior year of college, right before school started back, right before classes started back, I went home to visit my family from Murray, Kentucky, small town, Western Kentucky. And one of the things that I always do is, you know, I'd go home to visit my family in the summer. Is um, I'd go and I'd spend time with my grandfather. My grandfather was just kind of one of my heroes, uh, Granddaddy Freed. And so I remember going over to his house, and uh, we we went to this lunch spot called the High Burger. If you're ever in Murray, you got to go there. And uh, uh, you'll never be in Murray, so you don't have to worry about it. But if you are, then uh, go to lunch and or join lunch. And he looks at me and he says, hey, do you, have, do you have some more time today? I'd love to just kind of drive around and show you some things. I'm like, yeah, I'm not in a hurry. I'd love to. And so, you know, we, we get in the car and we start driving all over western Kentucky and, and uh, western Tennessee. And um, many of these places that I'd been before and places that I'd seen and, and many that I had. And, you know, just like an old person, he would literally stop in the middle of the road when he wanted to show me something. Like, didn't care if there's traffic behind him. You know, he'd say, hey, look out this window. And he'd, he'd point and say, hey, this is the, the place that I grew up and this is the house that I grew up in. And, just kind of spent the afternoon just kind of reliving his life. And, and I remember um, one of these stops, um, we, um, he's driving, or I'm driving, and he just puts his hand on my shoulder, and he, and he says to me, uh, Brandon, I'm, I'm so proud of you, and I love you so much. And they weren't the very last words I'd ever heard my grandfather speak. In fact, we spent the rest of the day kind of chatting. The next few weeks, we talked. And um, about, a, about a month later after that, he passed away. But there was something about the weight of what he said that just stood with me, that, that impacted me. The scripture that we're going to be looking at tonight is, is one of those, that these are some of the very last words that Jesus gave us before he ascended to heaven, where he is at the Father's right hand, where he's preparing a place for us. This is what John 14 says. And Christians for the past two centuries... For the past 2,000 years have, have been uh, wrestling with these words. And, and the words and, and the weight with which they carry, they have been impacting men and women of God, stretching us, growing us, sending us, changing us. And I'm so excited for these, these words of Jesus, some of his very last words. You know, you know a, poor, a, a person's last words, they, they carry weight. And I'm so excited for us to, to jump into this. I want to catch us up in the story. If you've never heard the story of Jesus before, in Matthew chapter 28, kind of where we are is that Jesus has, has been crucified on a cross. On a Friday afternoon, he is hanging up on a cross. He has died. That two men, Joseph of Arimathea and this guy named Nicodemus, they come and they take down his body. They wrap it in linen cloth. They, they cover it in aloes and spices. And they lay the body of Jesus in this tomb that Joseph of Arimathea had purchased and they like, close it in with this tomb. And Friday night comes and Jesus is, is dead. And Saturday comes and Jesus is still dead. And, and Sunday morning, Jesus Christ comes out of death. The, the Son of God overcomes our greatest enemy, our greatest fear, death. And in verse 10 of Matthew chapter 28, it says that there were some women, this woman named Mary Magdalene, this other Mary who, who loved Jesus so very much, and they show up on this Sunday morning, essentially bringing flowers to put on his tombstone. They expect to encounter a, a dead prophet, and what they discover is the risen Jesus. And I love verse 10 of Matthew 28, where, where Jesus sees it. They, they encounter Jesus, and he says, go and tell the apostles, tell my brothers to, to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. 
And so they run to, to Peter and Andrew and James and John and the other apostles, and, and, they, and they get them, and they go, you're not going to believe this, but, but Jesus is alive. And, and you, can just them going, you can just imagine them going, what are you talking about? We, we saw him. We, we heard him. Like, we, we touched his hands. We, we, we saw his face. We heard his voice. He is alive. And he said, if you want to see him, go to Galilee, and there you will see him. This is where our story picks up tonight. Verse 16, Matthew 28. It says, then the 11 disciples, they went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Did you notice that it says that there were 11 disciples instead of 12? Up, in the, up until this point in the story, there were 12 apostles. There were 12 men. But because one had betrayed Jesus, one had contributed to his death. You know, the truth that the scriptures reveal to us is that, that all 12 had betrayed him. That there was not an apostle of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus that, that loved Jesus like they thought, like they wanted to love him. That none of them stood by him, that none of them were faithful, that all of them backslid, that none of them loved Jesus like they thought, like they wanted to. But there was one who did not wait around to understand, to see, to receive this truth that Jesus forgives those who betray him. That there was only one who self-selected out. He chose not to wait around. He couldn't bear the thought of what he'd done. And he didn't get to discover the grace and the kindness of Jesus. And I hope this is an encouragement if you come here tonight and you do not believe in Jesus, if you've never encountered him, if you've never experienced him, that I hope Matthew 28 encourages you to, to not be the one that self-selects out. Don't be the reason that you don't encounter God just because you think he's not real or just because you've, you've been asking and you've, you've not experienced anything, just because you think you've done too much. Don't self-select out. We're going to come back to this in just a minute. I love that in verse 16, it says that, that he gave them a specific place to meet him. Did you notice that it says that to the, to the mountain in Galilee where I told you? It was specific. It was clear. And it made me think about our church, about those of us who are here tonight. I go, man, are there, are there things that the Lord has told us to do that we have not been responsive to? And I'm not trying to, to make us insecure. I'm not trying to make us start questioning things or start imagining things that, that God hasn't said. But, but, I, but, I, but I know that there are some of you who come here tonight and, and you know that God has called you to do something. And perhaps the reason there hasn't been breakthrough or experience is because there hasn't been obedience. And I say that with all the love of my heart. I go, man, if God has, has told you to do something, then do it. If he's invited you to step into something that leads to greater intimacy with him, then step in. To become a Christian, is it to, to get prayer? Is it to start serving? Is it to, to start giving? Is it to, to move? Is it to sell? Is it to receive? Is it to repent? Verse 17. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. I go, what a description of our church. What a description of us tonight. When we see Jesus, we worship him. 
Think about the times in your life when you have seen God. Evan, think about the times in your life where you've seen God. Hillary, think about the times in your life when you've seen God. Alec, think about the times in your life when you've seen God. Colton, think about the times in your life when you've seen God. Joe, think about the times in your life when you've seen God. John, think about the times in your life when you've seen God. Dan, think about the times in your life when you've seen God. There's joy. TC, there's praise when you see God, isn't it? There's thankfulness. There's, there's worship that, that bubbles up inside of our hearts when, when we see Jesus. But isn't it true that this, this doubt, it, it, it still kind of follows us behind like some pet, pesky little pet? Think about an amazing conversation that I had with a friend. She was telling me about um, just her life and that um, she was born with, with one leg that's shorter than the other. And it's caused all kinds of kind of problems in her life that she stumbles and falls. And, and I remember a prayer gathering that this woman with just a faith that has stretched me, a faith that has just impacted me so deeply that, that she, she came up and she said, I, I don't want to just settle for what for what I have right now, I believe that, that Jesus is still healer and the things that I see in scripture that, that I believe that, that Jesus can heal me. And she says, I want to pray that, that God would heal and stretch my leg. And I'm just going, what, what faith? What amazing faith. And so we gather around and we're, and we're praying that, that God would do this and, and she's praying and it's just this amazing moment. I remember talking to her and, and last week she came up and found me. She said, I was in California and I was, I was running on a beach and she said, Brandon, I felt a muscle in my leg that I've never felt before. That there's this muscle that, that fired that, that my entire life, I've, I've not felt it. And she said this and my, my heart just goes, praise you, Jesus, you're, you're a healer, you're king. And yet they're still down. Did you really? I think about when my son was born. About six months leading up to the, the time that, that Jones had come into the world, I, the, the prayer for, for my wife and I had been, just, just give us a safe delivery, God. Just, just let him come into the world safe. Give us a safe delivery. And we're in the hospital and, uh, you know, court's about to push and, and I get a text from someone in my family that, that some people in my family, just because of some um, unresolved conflict and some bitterness and um, just some, some unforgiveness and just some hatred, honestly, they, they started acting out in the waiting room in front of my in-laws, in front of my friends, and in front of strangers, and oh, it just made me so angry. And I literally remember just the Holy Spirit just kind of whispering into my heart, Brandon, just, just pray that I'm with you. And I'm like, God, that's not what I want to pray. I want you to strike them with lightning. I want you to blind them. Like, you know, I want their hands to fall off. I want all these, like, these, these things to, to happen to know that how, how terrible they are. That Okay, I'll, I'll pray that you're with me. We had a little downtime right before court starts pushing, and I, 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 I pull out my utmost for his highest. It's just this little devotional book by this guy named Oswald Chambers, and I kid you not, the verse at the top of the page is Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 8, where it says, I am with you to deliver you. And, and I'm going, Jesus, you're, you're amazing. Is that really you? 
Jesus, thank you for hearing me, for caring. Wait, is, is that just a coincidence? Have you ever been there? And, 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 and it's a crazy that, that we find ourselves here tonight that some of us, you know, Garrison, you might be sitting here just so full of faith and so full of confidence in God. And, and, and there are others of us in this room and, and we come here and we just doubt every time we hear about Jesus healing or, or people experiencing Jesus, there's nothing but, but pessimism and doubt in our hearts. And I love that in the presence of Jesus, both are welcome. And the reality is that, that many of us, we have faith and we have doubt and they're coexisting in our hearts right now. They saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. I love verse 18, it says, and Jesus came to them. How many of us want that? Like, like really, do we, do we really want Jesus to, to come to us? Are we content just coming to church, working our job, praying prayers because we're supposed to, or do we, do we want Christ? Do we want to see his face? Do we want to hear his voice? Do we want Christ? I love that. that these men are, are walking in obedience to the commands of Jesus. And because of that, Jesus came to them. I was reminded of two different passages this week. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, where Jesus says, If you ask, you will receive. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open. I was reminded of Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, where God says, You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And, and Jesus is the greatest truth teller to ever live. And what he's saying here is that, that, that if you will seek him, Kyle, if you will seek him, if you will seek him, Kevin, if you, if you will seek him, you'll find him. Jen, if you knock, the door will be open. Jonathan, if, if you ask, you'll receive You'll seek me when you, when you seek me. You'll find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And what he's saying is it's, it, it's not a matter of if Jesus is a truth teller or not. It's a matter of, of our willpower, our perseverance, our obedience that will lead us to discover Jesus. We want that. I want that. I want that for me. I want that for my family. I want that for our church. I want that for you. To discover Jesus. I love verses 18, 19, and 20. Someone's much smarter than I am. Got this straight out of a commentary. You know, uh, kind of three words. Verse 18 is the, the great claim. Verse 19 is the great commission. Verse 20 is the great comfort. I love what Jesus says in verse 18. He says, all authority, he came to them. He says this, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. And we touched on this some last week, but here's what he's saying. I did it. He says, I accomplished all that the Father wanted to accomplish through me. 
The snapshot of Jesus' life is that he came and he lived and he died and he rose again. I was reminded of Philippians chapter two this week. It says, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is indeed Lord of all. All authority has been given to Jesus. The great claim, I love the great commission in verse 19. He says, so therefore go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I've commanded. I was reminded this week, I was talking to Andrew preached at Marathon this morning, the campus pastor over, over there, and he was reminding me that, that our God is a sending God. Right, that, that, that our Father, he, he sent, our Father in heaven, he sent Jesus, where, where, where Jesus was in heaven, where he was constantly praised and constantly worshiped, where, where, where everyone existed and bowed down to him. And, and the Father sent Jesus into our world where he was despised and hated and crucified and misunderstood. The Father sent the Son into the world to, to, to redeem us and to claim us, to save us. The Father sent the Son, the Father sent the Spirit to dwell in the life of every man and woman who believes in Jesus. The very presence of God dwells in every woman, every man of God. And our God has, has sent us. And he's sent us as a church, as his people, as his children, to make disciples. The thing about making disciples, it's, it's not, uh, think bigger than just a one-time deal. It's, it's bigger than just a one-time commitment. This idea of helping people become disciples, making disciples is about relationship. It's helping people become more like Jesus on the earth. To grow in his character, to grow in his ways. I love that he says, go into to the world and, and baptize people. And I love this. Think about a wedding ceremony where, where a bride and a groom come together and, 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 and the bride gets the groom's name and everything that the bride has becomes the groom's and everything that the groom has becomes the bride and it's this moment where they become one. And, it, and that's this, this moment in baptism where when a man or woman goes out into the water expressing faith in Jesus, they, they come out and from now on we wear the name of Jesus, we own the name of Jesus that everything that Jesus has, everything that he has done, everything that he has earned, everything that he will receive, he gives to us because we are his. Jesus says, go into all the world and baptize people, include them in the family, and then teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. It's why we devote so much time at Ethos to studying the scriptures. Not just so we can feel good about ourselves, so that we, we have more knowledge, so that we know more stories. No, it's so that we can obey, so we can become disciples of Jesus. I love that he says in go to all the nations. 
to realize that, that we get to help people who do not know Jesus all over the world come to know Jesus. Think about how amazing that is. Dan, think about this, that, that, that you know Jesus. And Dane, you know Jesus. And, and Meredith, you know Jesus. And Austin, you know Jesus. And he tells us that, that, that we get to go into this world and help people know him. Not just about a historical figure, not just to, to know a bunch of stories. No, we get to, to help them know the living Lord. And isn't it true, like Chris, when, when you became a follower of Christ, Christ Jesus changes everything about you. And when you have Christ, you want others to know him. And he has sent us into the nations. And he has sent us into this nation to help people come to know Jesus. My friends, the, the nations they need Jesus. The nations need Jesus. Just think about what happened this past week in Nice. Think about what happened the, the week before in Dallas. And what the nations and what this nation needs is Jesus. To have a heart change. That those who are, are mourning the loss of loved ones in France today, they need the healing and the comfort of Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. And he's given us the task of going and showing the world about Jesus. And he gives us this task that is impossible without him. Just think about this. How can we ever help the nations where there are language and racial and nationalistic barriers standing between us? How can we ever do this? The great claim, the great commission. I love verse 20, the great comfort. That's how Jesus ends. He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If you're a Christian, Christ is always with you. And if you're not a Christian, he is so incredibly close. He is one call away. Think about this, the one who never gave in to temptation, the one who drove out all darkness, the one who calmed the storms, the one who conquered death, he is always with us. And this does many things, but for the sake of our conversation tonight, it helps us deal with our fears. And, and, and there are so many fears that we bring into this place tonight. I can't possibly know about all the things that are keeping you up at night, the things that are disturbing you, the fears that you have as you, you, you go to work and you go to school. But Christ is with us and that helps us deal with our fear. My little girl, Finley, she's been waking up in the middle of the night and she's been having nightmares and so she's scared and she'll, she'll run into our room and, and she'll say, Mommy, Daddy, I'm, I'm scared, I'm having nightmares. And she asked me every time, Daddy, will you come lay with me? Because my, my little girl, she gets it. And she doesn't need me just to, to look at her and say, Finley, it's okay. Go back to your room. Go to sleep. You're fine. It's presence. And the presence of someone that we love and trust that is with us, it drives out fear. And Christ is with us. 
that deals with our fear and it deals with our fortitude. It gives us courage that Christ is with us, that empowers us to tell others of the good news of Jesus. It empowers us to be bold, to cast out darkness in the name of Jesus. It empowers us to, to forgive those who hurt us. It empowers us to, to love and to serve and to lay down our lives each day, to carry our cross, to die to ourselves so that we may live for Christ. I was talking to my friend Jake this week, and he said, man, Brandon, we, we've got to, as he's talking about us Christians, he's talking about us at Ethos, we've, we've got to quit acting like there are moments when Christ is not with us, for he's always with us. Christ is always helping, he's always speaking, he's always empowering. And he goes, so what does Matthew 28 mean for us? And we all hear different things, and that, that because of our situation and circumstances, that, that different things jump out at us. But I don't want us to miss this. I think that in Matthew 28, he's calling us to be kingdom people. To have the same big heart, to have the same goal that he has. And it's bigger than just our individual relationship with God. And it's bigger than our church. And it's bigger than our city. And it's bigger than our nation. God's heart, God's goal is that the entire world, that every nation, that, that every person, of every color, of every language, of every culture, that they would come to know Jesus. This is the heart of God. This is the goal of God, the nations. But how do we do this? The reality is that, that some of you have been able to go to the nations. Some of you sitting here tonight, you have trips planned for the next season or for the fall or for next year that, that you're going to get to go and be a part of what God is doing in different nations all over the world. And others of you, you come here and, and for a host of reasons, you're, you're not able to go to the nations right now. And I just want to speak about how God has, has some of us going to the nations and how God has others of us going in this nation. And how all of our lives matter if we're truly living for Jesus. So I'll talk about this tension in this way. I think about my friend Andy, and he's a nurse, and he's just fallen in love with the people of Guatemala. And so he goes down with, with Health Talents International and Julie. And uh, many of you have maybe got to be a part of this trip where you go down and they care for sick people, for hurting people, nurse them back to health. And Andy goes down and and, and he serves for, for weeks at a time. And we hear that and we go, yes, like he's discipling the nations. He's doing exactly what, what, what God has said for us to do here in Matthew 28, to, to go into all the world, to make disciples of all nations. And Andy is most certainly doing that in the nations. But so is his wife, Nicole, who, while he is in a different nation, she is in this nation. She is caring for their children discipling them to know Jesus, that, that while he's in the nations, she's in this nation leading her house church. It's about the nations and it's about this nation. Think about my friends Mark and Beth and Dave and Lindsay who, who have the flexibility and the capability because of their schedules to, to, to go to Australia and to go to Jamaica. And, and, and we hear about that and we celebrate and we go, of course, they're, they're doing this. They're doing exactly what Jesus has, has told us to do. And I think about my friend Whitney who's discipling this nation, who's inviting people to, to worship gatherings and praying for them and baptizing them. In this nation, 
I think about my friends Ronnie and Steph who, who moved down to Haiti last year. And, and right now they are, uh, are caring for seven orphan children under the age of two. Think about how crazy that is. And they're discipling the nations. And so is my friend Hannah. And so are those of you who volunteered to, to disciple our children here at Ethos. And maybe you can't be the one to go to the nations in this season in your life. And that doesn't mean that you're not walking in obedience. It doesn't mean you're not living for Jesus. Well, at the same time, this doesn't give us an excuse that, that these words still apply to us. And what it means is that God has, has put you in this nation to disciple these people. That calls for an increased dependence on God, an increase in, in intentionality and sacrifice. And so let me talk about this side for a minute. For, for, for some, that God hasn't opened any doors for you to go to the nations in this next season of your life. And I want to invite you into four places how, how we proactively step into this if, if your going is limited to, to this nation in this time in this season. The first thing is this. I want to invite you to pay attention to the people that God puts in your path. As you go to work, as you go to class, as you go out to hang out with your friends, pay attention to the people that God brings in your life. I'm having lunch with one of my coworkers last week and um, he's about to be out of pocket for the next few weeks and so it's pretty important that we had this conversation. So we're over in Chipotle in Green Hills and we're sitting down talking and, and this little girl walks up to us and she says, hey, can I sit with you guys and have lunch with y'all? <laughs> we're like, where did you come from? Yes, you can, but yeah. And, and she's sitting down and she, she joins us for lunch and we realize that this little girl, her mom, um, was working and didn't have childcare for the day so she's just kind of hanging out with the mom. So crazy, like the people that God will bring into our paths. The things that you can learn about people, the way that you can help disciple people that, that you just meet. Pay attention to the people that God puts in your path. The second thing is this, that, that you would pray and fast for other nations. We, we pray about the things that we care about. And talk to our team. I hope that this is something that we can start doing as a church, that, that we can start sharing information about the different nations all around the world so that we can start praying and caring for people all over the world. Third thing is this. I want to invite you to, to give of your finances radically and generously to plant churches. I was looking over the annual report last week, two weeks ago, actually. You realize that a third of the, your hard-earned money, and so... Uh, a developer or a farmer or a physician or a teacher or a nurse or whatever it is that, that you do, however it is that you, you, you make your money, that, that your hard-earned money that, that you give is going to, to plant churches literally right now, just to give you a little preview, that, that plant churches in India and in Uganda, literally as we speak, and in Lisbon, Portugal, and, and your money is going to, to live this out, to make disciples of all nations. And it's so fun to, to give the things that God has given to us, even if it's a dollar, whatever it is that you have to give, it, it is so fun to give joyfully and generously to live into this as a people of God together. And if you're not giving, I invite you to start giving. It's fun. The fourth thing I invite you to is, if you're going is in this nation, in this season, the fourth thing, and Larkin, my, my friend, reminded me of this this week, that, that we should be continuing to ask God, do you have somewhere specific that you want me to go? that we continually just lay this before God. God, do you have somewhere specific that you want me to go?
that there would be a willingness and a desire and a want that when God opens a door, that we are ready for it. That one day we get to be the ones that go to the nations. And there are some of you, and you know, Eivor is one of them, we're going to pray over him in just a few minutes, but, but God has literally called you to go to, to the nations, to a specific nation right now, to go for a trip or to go for good. And because we want to be a sending church that reflects our sending God, we're only going to encourage you. And you'll go and, and you'll experience amazing things of God and you get to come back and you get to tell us about the things that God is doing in the nations. And we'll keep praying, we'll keep giving our money, we'll keep supporting. And it just made me think, are, are, are we doing our part? The church is a body, it's not just one person. I go, are, are we as individuals doing all that we can to make sure the nations are reached? We're going to take communion here in just a minute. Tim's going to get back up and, and lead us in worship. And I want to just invite us as, as we're taking communion to, to answer this question of the people that you came with. Maybe you don't know anyone. You can talk to the person beside you. But here's a question. What, if anything, do you sense God might be calling you to do? What do you sense God might be calling you to do? Is it to ask for prayer? Is it to become a Christian? Is it to just come next Sunday? Is it that, that, to pray that God would open your eyes? Is it, to, is it to start living more courageously for Jesus? Is it to start living more intentionally as you go about your day? Is it to go to the nations? What is it that you sense God is calling you to do? And as you're sharing that with each other, pray for each other. And break the bread and eat the bread and, and drink the juice and be reminded that the only reason that, that you and I are included in the family of God is because the body is broken and, and you and I are so far from perfect. And every week we take the communion and we celebrate Jesus and we thank Jesus for what he has done for us. And so don't kick yourself if you've been disobedient. If God's been putting something in your life, walk in repentance. If you've been walking in sin, walk in repentance. Thank God. Maybe that's the thing that he's calling you to, 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 to do, to, to, to step out of immorality or step out of something. And then Tim's going to get back up and lead us in a few songs. And, and when he does, I invite us to stand and just to worship. And for those of us who know Jesus, to, to worship and thank Jesus for being real, for pursuing us. To lift your hands, to get lost in worship, to dance, to do whatever it takes to just give God your unfiltered worship. And I have a special request as, as we wrap up tonight. If, if last week you asked God for healing or deliverance, or if last month you asked God for healing or deliverance or the past year you've asked for something and God has healed or delivered you, would you come to the Respond Banner and just share that? There are going to be some of us over the Respond Banner. We don't just want this to be a place where we go and when we need prayer, when we need something. We want this to be a place that we go and we, and we thank God together. So let us celebrate with you. Okay, you guys are tired of me talking. I'm tired of talking. Let's pray and we're going to take communion. God, we love you. You are our King and our Lord and our Savior. We love you so much. Um, Father, I pray that you would speak, uh, that you would give us real words, and um, God, in this time of communion, that you'd bring real clarity to the things, to this question, and, and don't let us freak out and panic if, if there's nothing that's coming to mind. God, let us have the courage to keep asking. We love you, Jesus. You are our King. It's in your name we pray. Amen.